Hey everyone, welcome back to the Luminous Arts Podcast. Today I'm talking with Sofia Arnav, an Italian experiential designer and new media artist living and working in New York City. I met Sofia on a trip to Brooklyn back in 2019. She was working for Fake Love, the experiential advertising company by the New York Times. In January 2020, she became the senior experiential designer on the experience team of PepsiCo's Design Innovation Center. Originally from Milan, she's had a very international journey to get where she is today. Like me, she's obsessed with creating interactive installation art and using technology to communicate in unique ways. We have a great conversation about how our work has changed since COVID, how the creative process is adapting to life in isolation, and how we can all stay connected despite the shift in the social paradigm. We only had about an hour to talk, and I think we both could have kept going for a lot longer. But it was a great conversation, and I'm definitely looking forward to the next time we get to hang out. So we don't do ads on this podcast, and we're not sponsored by anyone. This podcast is a labor of love, a personal project born out of my desire to talk to cool people about the art that inspires me. That being said, it's made possible by the work that we do at Digital Ambience. I want to bump our new product line again, because I think it's a genuinely useful resource to other new media artists trying to make technology-based artwork. The premise is simple. We've taken the best examples of the tools, fixtures, and software that we've used and created over the years for one-off installations and made them available to you to use on your own projects. Our new site isn't really an online shop, although there are products and a shopping cart. It's a place to specify customized iterations of the solutions we provide, choosing options to create the perfect building blocks for your projects, whether that's pixel mapping software, LED controllers, or finished fixtures. Of course, we've got your back when it comes to design and engineering. Check it out at digitalambience.com slash products. And thanks for listening. So welcome to the Luminous Podcast, Sophia. How are you doing? Hi, Rob. I'm good. Thank you for having me. I'm flattered. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Ever since we met back in New York, I was like, you do badass work. I would love to to do a podcast episode because that's actually when I was first starting the uh, the podcast. I think I told you about it. Nice, I was like, oh yeah, it? I have this idea for a podcast and blah blah blah. And you have done so many cool episodes um, since that point. That's so cool. It, it it goes very well. You know, man, it's really it's like I just picked my favorite artists. I'm honored. When are we gonna when are we gonna do the episode? And they're like, yeah, we'll do it. And then I just don't I can't get in touch with them. Oh, I am truly so honored, really. Not, not you have yeah. such interesting characters that it's such a you know it's such a pleasure to be considered to be part of, of that selection. So thank you again. Yeah, yeah. So it's what is it? It's like it's like six thirty or almost seven. No, no, no. It's almost six. What time is it? Uh, in New York? Almost seven in New York. Yeah. Almost seven. Okay. Light. Yeah, it's the middle of the afternoon, but I'm gonna drink a beer. Anyway. Right. <laughs> <laughs> nice. What time is it in LA now? Three hours. It's four. Four. four oh yeah. Four. Yeah, yeah, four, yeah. Four, four. That sounds right. So, so are you guys coming out of the other side of? Uh, other side of the COVID lockdown. Seems like you guys are doing the best out of the entire country right now. Yeah, actually, New York is is the uh, one place that is doing better, which is interesting given the situation we were in, you know, just a few months ago. And um, no, now it's good. And um, you know, everyone is a bit stressed about what's gonna happen uh, uh, in the autumn. Is it gonna come back? But for now, we're all still in uh, quarantine and. Um, till you know probably next year we'll see how it goes 
Yeah. Well, I mean, like, so Spain was just until just recently, a good friend of mine lives in, um, in, uh, Barcelona. Mm -hmm. She was saying that everything was, you know, they, when they ended the lockdown, it was just like back to normal. Yeah. And now they're back to, to it. Right. Yeah. Well, they locked down again because of the second, and, and now everybody's locking yeah. back down again. Although I have a sensation that all Europe, even the worst, uh, the, the places that are doing the worst is still kind of better than the American numbers. So oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> we no, are really we're, at the we're, bottom. We're, we're number one. <laughs> right. We're number one. <laughs> <laughs> we truly are. Oh, man. Yeah. So when's the last time you were in Europe? Uh, oh, it's been a while now. It's... Uh, in a year, I won last uh, Christmas. I usually go in the summer too, but this, you know, this year obviously uh, has been impossible. And uh, hopefully, I can go back in uh, in Christmas again. Uh, I'm not sure if they allow us from America back. You know, maybe citizens, yes, but I I need to check. I would like that. Uh, I, it's been ages. I miss Italy. I miss you know uh, Rome and. Milan and just the places where I grew up is nice to come back every while. Yeah. You were um you were born in Milan. That's what your your profile says, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I was born in Milan. Um then I moved to Rome for my high school and then uh, and then I left home pretty early when I was 18. I went to London and I studied at um Central St. Martins for the graphic design BA and then and I was there I lived there for four years in total and then I moved now uh, to New York for the last it's been now five years I think I moved to do my master in um, design and technology at Parsons and then after that I started working and you know we're here and the time flies it's been already five years it's crazy yeah man you have a master's degree and that's awesome it's uh it was fun i've been in i've been to milan once and uh i was there and i I met with a a couple different artist groups in and around milan they were like um i wish i could remember the name of the group but they were um basically they they were in this little farmhouse that they had taken and renovated into a studio space oh that sounds amazing yeah, they they were much they were kind of like a like an interactive design agency. They were much more focused on on like, you know, AR and software. Right. Uh, not so much like hardware and um like like physical installations, but more yeah. Nice. Only one person spoke English, but we definitely <laughs> You intended each other through gestures, I assume. But uh, yeah, no, that's absolutely. that's wonderful, you know. The nice thing of uh, of Europe is, you know, the, the rental prices are much lower than the U.S. And it's kind of nice for artists because it allows you to have more easily space that you can access to to you know to have workshops to have a studio to to do anything that you know like even uh, implies that you need space and materials i was thinking for example i i love to do pottery as a personal um practice and uh, and that's such a you know like an intense space and time intense and matter intense um, technique that you need an oven you need the you know wet materials you need uh, the wheel it's it, it would be nice to have a space to you know to be able to do that but um, you know New York has 
doesn't have the space, but it has everything else you could ever want. Do you get to, do you get to practice? Do you get to practice your pottery? I, I usually did once a week, but now uh, all the studios are closed. So, you know, not having the, the materials, the, um, the tools at home, I, I just have to wait for the quarantine to end. But I am, I am confident it will come back. I am confident everything oh, before or after will come back, yeah. Yeah. It's really important to have like a physical tra- like trade or craft. You know, I, I think it's especially for digital artists, we kind of get lost in the, the virtual. Absolutely. And, um, Absolutely. Uh, I actually love craft and traditional craft. I, it's, it's funny. I started with craft, you know, my, my career, my education really started with, uh, yeah, the first thing was illustration. And then there was a, uh, you know, print design and a lot of screen printing and, uh, and uh, book binding and uh, again like uh, uh, sculpture and uh, uh, working with clay it's it, it really all started wood cutting you know like a lot of uh, crafty uh, techniques and uh, you know in fact i i then studied uh, digital interactive and virtual but we always come back to physical i think i i personally believe um, design wise my my preference and and i also think most of, of people that interact with the world there is a connection to the physical you cannot just interact digitally there is not the same um deep connection that is created and i think you know that's also why i think you know now during covid everyone is trying to uh, transfer everything to to the virtual world even you know we try to recreate everything virtually we try to recreate the experience of an exhibition virtually the experience of like moving through space virtually meeting people virtually i think you know um it works as a it's a fun gimmick at the beginning it's a fun thing to try now that we're all locked down but i think it's essential that we go back to some tangible experiences you know even you know it doesn't have to necessarily be interactive but the contemplation of something physical is huge yeah well we're we're physical beings you know what i mean we like live in our bodies and i don't think you can have effective digital art unless it has some kind of connection or hook to the real world yeah you you know what i mean like if it's completely abstract it just doesn't connect um absolutely I, i agree i think that it will definitely get back to uh to interacting and being together in person, we have to, because, you know, we're, we're social animals. Like you can't, even this, what we're doing here, it's like, it's, it's better because I can see your face, right. And I can see your facial expressions, but it's not the same. And it's not the same. Uh, And, uh, you know, in the future, I think we will have to, um, we will have to come back to interact with each other, but we will have to think of different ways to do it, which, you know, mainly is also involving the outdoors because it's, uh, you know, it's, it's something that really improves the situation, uh, you know, pandemic wise. And uh, it's interesting to see how, how much time now even we're spending. I'm seeing myself going to the park on the weekends to have picnics with friends or, you know, like things that I would never do before. It would be, you know, it would be going to museums, it would be going to bars, it would be going to restaurants, to homes, but never really to the outdoors to meet. And, uh, you know, maybe it's because we are used to the city, we're city animals, but I love this new experience of, you know, going back have to you been, Have you gone camping at all? Not camping, but that's a wonderful idea. I need a car for that. <laughs> but yes. So in, in the Bay Area, 
it oh, seems yeah. like the entire world, like the entire city goes camping every weekend. Oh, yeah, that's a thing? And it's been, yeah, it's been really nice because um, the last three weekends I've been out in like the middle of nowhere, you know, nature. Nice. This weekend was actually the biggest group that I've, I've gone with and we were all outside, you know, we, we all, um, we were taking as much precaution as we we could you know social distancing and masks and not sharing meals but we were it was like seven seven of us and we were all together and we went out to this place called bowman lake which is way out in it's kind of around donner pass like on your way up into tahoe Mm -hmm. um to the middle of nowhere and uh when you first get off the highway you 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 get off into this area called the emeralds which are these beautiful pools and there were like a million people there oh. and uh they had kind of trashed the woods and yeah, it, was kind, of it was disgusting that's so, horrible yeah oh my god but bowman lake is, is way out past um and you you need a four by four with with high clearance to get there it was so refreshing to just be out by a lake nice. with no one there and just yeah being so outside you managed and to social- find a lake without people in the end Oh yeah. 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 I'll send you a link to it. It's, it's in, it's in the middle of nowhere. Like you have to drive for over an hour on this really intense dirt road to get there. And it's a beautiful lake, very remote. Nice. Um, yeah. That must people, be wonderful. But see like the, 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 the scene that you describe of like this emerald pools full of people trashing everything. It's, you know, it really makes me think because we, we, you know, we're craving the outdoors. We're craving the, you know, return to nature, but we don't, we are not respectful really in the way we interact with it, which is, uh, you know, it, it, it always surprises you, but it's so, you know, you always, was expected it really reminds me of i don't know have you seen Mad Men? oh yeah yeah i love that show so there is an episode in Mad Men which i think is is one of the best scenes of the whole show they you know what you're gonna say you know that scene when they like fling all exactly. the, the picnic trash yes they, they go donna don and the family go for this very idyllic you know little picnic in the in the on in the park in the woods and they have their or their little tools for the picnic and they have the cloth and it's a beautiful scene and then as soon as they're done the um, the wife birdie takes the uh, the towel and just shakes it in the air with all the trash falling on the on the grass and uh, and they come back home you know that's and that's yeah, and it it's, it's funny because when when you see something like that it 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 seems so obscene right it seems like it's like oh, it's almost like somebody did something just like completely culturally unacceptable yes. which, which it is it and is. i was looking at what was happening this weekend with these people who were trashing these this this area and i realized it's very much a cultural thing like not necessarily like um like nationality but it's very much like did you grow up around nature right. are you is appreciation of nature part of your your culture like your your personal culture sure yeah it's it's such a good point you know it's uh but you know that's also a role that design could take which i think is interesting it's how can we teach you know we have to be outdoors now with the pandemic how can we teach people through design to you know to learn how to be in the outdoors and to understand why it is you know just terrible to to trash like that and you know the digital art communication medium and it and you know those messages if you can find a way especially in like a per, in personal work where you can kind of say whatever it is 
that you want to say. That's a that's an excellent message to spread right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Appreciation and how to how to be outdoors in a respectful way, because it's almost like if you're out there and you're trashing it and you don't really you're treating it just you're you're not you're not getting the benefit of being outdoors. You know, it's like being in nature is all about this kind of reverence of nature yeah. where you're, where you're, yeah. It's the, and if, if you're, tragic, you're missing the point. You're, you're totally missing the point. And also it feels like, uh, you know, as humans, at least people that trash, it's as if they, they could not grasp fully the concept of eternity, the concept of like the fact that that piece of plastic that you just, through on the ground is going to be there for eternity and i think the idea of time is something that really like the, the immensity of, of it is if if they could see you know in proportions if they, if they you know they come back to the city and that piece of plastic is gone forever so it's out of their vision that's why they do it because in theory it is gone for them they're never gonna see that again and well, that's um, part of the flaw of the human animal right it's like we have this very narrow view and it's hard for us to conceptualize things um, long term. Like it's hard for us to conceptualize like yeah. amounts of time that span beyond our lifetime. That's why global warming is such like a hard yeah. thing for us to to like take seriously because it's like yeah you know it's a problem but it's a problem like I'm not gonna be thirty there. years from now, whatever. Right? Yeah, we're we're small beings. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, and all you, you just I think the best thing you can do is to try and um, live in a way that that gets past those um those like irrational instinctual human uh instincts yeah yeah it's it's uh, it's hard it's rare and um we'll see maybe we will learn you know with this with this new situation we have to live in hopefully yeah. so you uh when you were you were in london after milan you went to you. You got your bachelor's in London. Uh, my bachelor's, yes, yes. Um, yeah. It was uh, it was quite a, an experience. It was my first time out of home for a long time, and uh, you know, of course, I barely knew English because in um, in Italy we study English since you know since we did the first grade it's uh, we we constantly studied but we studied with the uh, with italian teachers first of all which you know changes everything and um, and you kind of repeat the same basic uh, commands uh, almost like by memory you don't really internalize it you don't have the chance to have dialogues and stuff so once i got to london you know the the hard thing it wasn't wasn't too much the understanding professors for example in school but it was about after school when it was socialized through jokes for example that was impossible understanding you know what they were saying for the joke but also the the humor of the joke you know the very dry british humor that was another very uh, very new thing to me yeah, it is. It's hard. So it's so deadpan sometimes. You know, they'll <laughs> yes. say they'll, they'll throw out jokes with just like a straight face. And they'll be like, is that a joke? I don't know. You know. It did. It really took time. Did. Well, the cool, yeah. the cool thing is it was – St. Martin's was at least – 
I think it still is, um, like 60% international students, which was wonderful because really you didn't feel inside the school, you, you never felt like a foreigner. You felt like you were the majority. I think English people probably felt like a minority in there. Which what was the school? Central St. Martin's school. It's a part of the um, London uh, College of the Arts, uh, University mm-hmm. of the Arts. And um it's it's very famous, particularly for uh, fashion. It's uh, you know it's like a, the mecca of fashion students, but um, it has some incredible facilities and and teachers for graphic design, which is what I did, and uh, you know moving image that was my uh, speciality, my my major, if you want. And uh, yeah. I had a wonderful time. That's cool. London's a, London's a great city. I have a a lot of friends who live in London and there's a lot of new media arts that, that is happening in London. Right. That's fun. Did you you work at all out there? No, no, actually, you know, it's funny. I would have uh, stayed in London, but then uh, I was applying to two different uh, masters. I applied to Parsons and I applied to this other very good college called the um, Royal College of London, which is just for uh, masters, and uh, sadly they they rejected me there. So I got uh, instead I got accepted to Parsons, and I got ready to go there. I, I made my visa. I you know like I packed everything was done, and uh, and then at the very last minute, uh, literally like a month before moving to America, the other university got back to me telling me, Sophia, like where are you? You never answered us. Are you coming? And um, <laughs> and that was like it was really like hard heartbreaking because my first choice was I was happy in London I really liked it I wanted to stay there so and I loved that college um so when they told me oh there was a mistake you were never rejected we were just waiting for your answer you know it was a it was a moment of like it was really like a big um pivot in my life you had you know it was how did you how did you miss it I don't understand oh they just just sent me a rejection by mistake they said uh, oh. i was rejected but then i wasn't but it was too late when i discovered it, and i kind of like you know i was forced to uh, come to new york and uh, and thank thank god i'll tell you because i think it's incre- i had an unbelievable experience in new york incredible the people the design world this the city itself and um, you know if i just stayed in my comfort zone in london maybe it would have been just fine but it wouldn't be the same i would have grown much less i would have been stuck in in habits while you know once again getting out of your comfort zone it really it really paid off and i'm very happy I did that's such an important concept like getting i feel like covid right for a lot of people me me included has been an exercise in like dealing with with sudden disruption and i, I like it yeah. you know i i like it when when you're out of your comfort zone you grow as a person and it, it makes you like discover new um new talents and new new passions of course i mean it's it's everything it's you know challenge and limitations even for design honestly i think the more limitation the better always it's uh, the work you come out you you come out with once you have a very precise brief and a very restrictive brief i think is always the best because you have to deal with a lot of um challenges and you know, it, it really forces you to solve a problem, to find a solution to something given. And uh, I love that about design. And uh, yeah, I'd, I'll tell you, if I had to ever teach design, I would say the first thing would be to 
to get out of your comfort zone, you know, and not just design-wise, but life-wise, get out of your city, try to, if you can, obviously, try to, you know, like, look for scholarships, look for, look for even just, um, um, places that don't, don't feel right at the beginning. They just don't make you feel easy. If that's okay, like you really have to go through that, I think, to, to grow and to get better. And, um, well, so much of what you produce in, as an artist is, is what you're surrounded by, totally, right? Like yeah. the people and the, and the place. So it's almost like by, by changing up your environment, you can access different parts of your artistic, uh, like core, yeah. you know what I mean? Because there are different filters around you that you express it through. And I'm sure for you, when you went from uh, fake love to, to your current job, that was like kind of an example of that. Yeah. It was like flipping it, flipping a switch, you know? So instead of being around the same people. Absolutely. Mm. Uh, also was my first time to, you know, um, moving to uh, PepsiCo, I started working for the brand itself, while before that I always worked for agencies. And, um, and you know, it's similar in many ways. You know, there are, uh, there are clients in the same way if you want uh, just in external versus internal in your own company. But um, it's really fun to see how it is to, you know, to own the, the belief and the ethos behind a brand and to know what the brand wants and be the one that can uh, uh, bring into life and I think it's very exciting and um, and again you know like knowing knowing the the customers the the consumers that you have to deal with it's very important and I think that having traveled in time having moved from your Italy to Europe to America it gives you an insight to you know who you are designing for and everyone is different you you know you design for different targets and every time you you move also your design should change and knowing you know the bigger picture of what people want where that really is important because you can't assume that the same design can work very well for a certain city rather than another or another country or another age of of uh, yeah. you know yeah so you did you did you start with fake love right out of out of uh, your masters yeah actually i i started fake love um uh, I had an internship there. Then I I was hired full time as a junior, and then I just grew my way up. Uh, I stayed there three years, and um, it was wonderful. Uh, Fake Love, uh, for who doesn't know, uh, was a company, um, a, an agency that worked with the design and interaction and uh, design and technology, particularly to create experiences for brands of every kind, from uh, you know from uh, banks to retail to fashion to um, food and culinary institutions to festivals, and uh, and that was the beautiful thing about it. Um, Every time the brief changed drastically, and uh, and every time the you know um, the challenge was different, and 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 the goal and the you know the people we were working with were very different, and it really made you learn specifically about such precise things. You know, like I I could um, I would have to make, for example, interaction an installation for a brand of 
I don't know, baby dolls, imagine. And so for a month, it would be a dive deep into just the world of baby dolls. Then it would be something, for example, for tourism and work for Costa Rica, for example. Then it's all about learning the, you know, the, the vibes and the, and the beliefs and the, uh, and the, um, sides of, of that country then you move again and you are into retail uh you go into i don't know shoe design you know i really l- appreciated how we would have sh- fast projects that would really dive you deep into the uh the specifics of a, an object or a realm of design it was very fun and um you know give me an example like what was a what was an example of like a physical installation you did yeah, well, you're talking about like a product, right? Yeah, 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 totally. Um, well, for example, uh, we worked for Dyson. Um, Dyson was um, uh, asking us to create uh, product display fixtures for different kinds of uh, um, festivals. And uh, one of the festivals was, for example, Fast Company, which is you know a certain kind of target, a certain kind of uh, people, startups, and you know that that kind of vibe. Then the other festival would be PetCon, which is a gigantic uh, convention in Javits <laughs> Center in New York for pet owners, because obviously Dyson also has yeah. tools for you know uh, pets and uh, grooming. And it was very fun, you you know, like to design for such different targets, such different people, and and also to you know like to to be able to summarize the brand identity uh, through for product display you know like uh, how do you bring the design forward while also making it mm, easy for people to interact with and that was one project uh, another project was for example an installation we did in uh, downtown for um Costa Rica itself, so you know, uh, advertising the tourism in Costa Rica, and so the the beautiful sides of the country, from uh, from the peaceful side of it to the sustainability, to the um, the beautiful nature and flora and fauna, and so we did a, a, an immersive installation in which people would. How, how can you spend literally five minutes into a space that feels like Costa Rica? That was a brief, right? And so it was a lot of. How did you do the, the immersive installation? Like what? What did? What, did, what it, was it? It was a fun you know, mix of uh, you know architecture. Uh, so you know exterior. How does you know how does the architecture of Costa Rica look like? And then it would be combined with uh, being feeling like diving into the rainforest of Costa Rica. So it, w- it would be a big collaboration with the uh, plant designers that would create these beautiful uh, layouts of plants. And then we would use projection mapping and uh, three dimensional sounds and um, and. Uh, 3D props to literally create an environment that, you know, uh, metaphorically and uh, realistically brings you to the to the smells, the sounds, and the and the visions of um, of Costa Rica. And so you can That's see it was cool. very very different. And uh, but at the same way, you know, also at PepsiCo owns incredibly different uh, products uh, in a beverage, food, and nutrition that really span from, you know, um, uh, from energy drinks to um, to um, adaptogens drinks to, you know, to chips, to um, the oats. And every single product has a different target and so a different vibe and a different message and a different, you know, uh, feelings behind it. And so... Uh, 
even though I work for one brand, every day I have challenges to really uh, try to summarize and to encapsulate different feelings that come that are connected to every brand sub brand. So are you designing the the experiences or are you working with the technology? Yeah, so I design the experiences, but I uh, work in the uh, PepsiCo Design and Innovation Center and the you know the very belief and the very mission of the center is to create experiences using technology design and innovation generally to you know to create a deeper connection between the brands and people and so you know sometimes we we can create experiences that are heavy in technology sometimes maybe it's it's all about craft or it's all about you know multisensorial tangible experiences sometimes instead it could be virtually could be uh, augmented or it could be you know a digital uh, interpretation of something so it really depends and that's what i like about it um you really get to touch we we collaborate with so many different kind of designers from packaging to product i am an experienced designer but there are other specialists in the in the office and then obviously there are specialists of other fields there are you know alchemists and uh, food designers and uh, you know innovators generally it's a you know it's like a big startup you get to work with other artists what is it do you get to work with other artists? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Pepsi did some beautiful collaborations with uh, for Life Water, for example, in which we we really um, wanted to get the we we collaborated through uh, visuals uh, so that many different artists would give their different takes on the product and uh, and it's fun. There is always an opportunity to to collaborate to to feed each other's with inspiration and. Uh, it's a beautiful environment, really, um, really, I think, still growing, always adding new, new challenges, new brands, new innovation to our, to everyone's daily lives. That's cool. That's cool that they let you work with other artists. I think that's, for me, that's like one of the big things. Like, I, I get really bored if I can't, <laughs> you know, reach out and work with other, other creatives. Yeah. You know, it, it helps. It helps the creative process. It makes you like think new ideas when you can bounce it off somebody else who's who's also an artist. Absolutely, have a, a total spin on it. Yeah, no, we we collaborate with external artists, and then you know inside the center, we all are artists. You know, we are designers, but every I feel like every single person I met in the office has its own you know independent practice and independent uh, body of work that could be completely different from what they do in the office and it's you know it's a group of uh, innovators and and uh, people that really like to experience to um, to try new things to bring to the world new things and uh, yeah it's a very fun uh, it's a fun place I'll tell you yeah. So what kinds of installations are you working on now? No one can be around each other. So what does that look like? Well, you know, we're already getting ready for installations for next year because, you know, before us, after we know that things will come back and, um, you know, maybe we, we know that things will come back. Maybe what changes is the way we interact with these installations. So, you know, we, we are trying to focus on creating experiences that are uh, clearly safe for people to dive into. So, like, you know, how do we use design to make sure that uh, things, that the, the, the surfaces they touch are safe or even just... Uh, 
to allow them to interact with things without necessarily, you know, touching, which is something that was essential of our worlds before COVID. And now, you know, what happens when whatever you touch is alarming, right? So how can we use technology and design to uh, create installations that uh, still let you create a connection between you and the environment, but without necessarily using your hands. So what else can you use? Can you use your movement? Can you use your... Seems like a job for AR. Uh, no, AR but well, that's the cool thing. I So I, I think AR is super powerful, but it's not my... My cup of tea is, uh, uh, I love, again, I still love the physical and I think AR is, is fun. It's, it's surprising at the beginning, but I can't see. It's not the real thing. Yeah. I mean, like, I think there are plenty of artists that really focus on that. I personally like the physical. And so in the same way, you know, like there are a ton of sensors that let you, use the output the input of your body to generate an output that can be video audio or you know any any sense and uh, and those are you know we're talking about kinect for example we're talking about movement sensors temperature sensors bio data sensors everything there are so many interesting you know physical computing things that let us um interact without touching with just by being so the installations that we've been doing have become more and more tied in with uh like building management Uh, so we'll do a physical installation you know like a big chandelier or something but we'll tie the behavior of that chandelier in with the building management system so you know the motion sensors the occupancy sensors how many how much electricity is a, a room or a given area using at any given time what's the what's the traffic flow like you know how many people are leaving and entering yeah yeah um, and you know those yeah those are essential you know not just as data driving uh devices you know knowing how many people interact with the installation but also creating interactions with the installation itself and uh, i think it's very fun i'm glad you you're using it a lot i think you you know you will find installations as like almost um a display for data visualization mm-hmm. you know what i mean like how can we how can we visualize um the data you know for example like for you know a brand how many people are are consuming or interacting with our our product you know you could come up with some really cool ways of visualizing mm-hmm. that data that would that would make it more digestible and more interesting it's like a chart yeah you know what i mean it's like a physical installation it could be used to to display that information in some cool creative way absolutely i mean design to to display data is another incredibly powerful tool you know it really reminds me the the best example i can give you right now that is so tangible is i don't know if you went on this website that I heard about from many friends, so I had to visit it myself. It's a website that uses uh, mapping and like data visualization to show you the the disparity between richness and wealth in the world. So basically, um, we are talking about income levels or income levels. Uh, no, yeah. literally what we own and uh, it, what it yeah, yeah. what it does is that it compares, for example, how only four hundred uh, richest people in the world own so much all together that we could use an infinite an infinitesimal uh, part of that income to 
to literally like solve the world's problem from poverty to inequity. And, and I've seen a, I've seen I've seen a website that's kind of like that, and I, I feel like it gets it's almost like it hits the same part of your brain that like thinking about infinity does. Yeah, yeah. Or like when you think about like insanely large periods of time, it's impossible to con like conceptualize yeah you the, can't a hundred billion dollars like what does what is that but what, what is does that know and design really shows you you know i think that's a wonderfully used uh, design device to sh you know to show you amounts that we can't even conceive and it really you know it really yeah. puts things in, uh, in in place and uh, in proportions and it's wonderful that's that's a really smart way of using design so do you guys do any physical installations like using that that principle? Do you guys do like what what is a typical uh not even what is a typical what is a Tell me about the favorite installation you've done for this particular company, well, for PepsiCo. Uh, sadly, uh, I haven't done any physical installation yet because everything I was working on got shut shut because you know i started in uh everything everything closed uh for this period you know any any game any um, uh festival you know uh both europe and uh, and america had to postpone things so i i worked on things that we will do next year but i can tell you about uh previous projects that span from you know like the super bowl to milan design week to you have to do a lot of projects in, in Europe? Yeah, I, I particularly do because I work in the global team versus North America. So it's my my precise department works with Europe and around the world rather than uh, North America. Although it's, you know, in the end it's flexible. But yeah, it's fun because you get to to work with other cultures and other countries and international teams. It's It's nice. Yeah, I have a whole different perspective on design after going and spending time in Europe. Oh, really? Specifically Europe. Yeah, I mean, Europe Europe has uh, a really mature aesthetic and 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 the the artists in in like the the artists art scene in Europe is is particularly developed. You know, even more so than the United States. Like there's a lot of artists in the United States that are doing amazing things, but I feel like the 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 fine arts is a more developed practice and and, right. and you know yeah it, it's more it's more it's taken more seriously more people have been doing it for longer sure the the government supports it and that adds something to uh to the art scene in europe that the united states doesn't have and you know like, like latin america has another is very is also has a very unique um art scene right um, but i feel like especially europe it's just it's got history yeah I mean? well you know for sure i think as you're saying it's all connected to history and uh, um europe is certainly very good at that we we start uh learning art and history of art and uh, you know the the practical skills the you know from sculpting to modeling clay to illustrations and fine art and yeah a lot of people for example uh follow the fine art path and uh, it is beautiful um i am very proud of of the fact that europe you know uh gives so much value to the to the craft really and and traditional um techniques on the other side you know like i feel like the the beautiful thing about america is that it really if you want europe is has a a very uh, has a 
good handle on the on the past while um yeah. if you want um america and a new you know um fast growing places like um asia london to i think they they give you an opportunity to explore um untouched fields more than uh, you know more than some parts of europe or at least from my experience so i guess what I'm trying to say, it's not necessarily the fine art scene that I'm talking about, uh-huh. but it's the culture of fine arts that lends itself to more meaningful new media art. I see. For example, when I was when I was over, I mean, there's tons of really uh, modern uh, modern design firms doing cutting edge work uh-huh. in Europe. Yeah, they bring to it this sense of fine art because there's such a culture of fine art yeah. in Europe. They're surrounded by fine art. So I, I feel like, saying. you know, take an advertising agency, you know, you could do things in Europe for a European brand that wouldn't really work here in the United States because in, like um, complexity. Yeah. Yeah. Like of deeper course. meanings in, in your works yeah. of art um, messaging that. That is true. Yeah. That is the beautiful thing of, Europe is, you know, there is a history embedded almost in our blood so that you study it or not, you're, you know, you're always exposed to it. It's, it's in you. you. It's a reference that you will always get. And it's something that you, you know, when we make things as designers from Europe, I think it's always there, the inspiration from, we have thousands of years of inspiration that, that come through somehow. Yeah. And it's funny because every, every culture in Europe is different. You know, German art, so different than, uh, than Italian new media art. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you, you, you know, Fuse, do you know, uh, Fuse factory in, in, uh, in Italy? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, just take, take the art that they do and then compare it to like, you know, a German, a German firm like white void, you know, it's like, it's, it, this, you can feel it, yeah. right? You look at their art and you're like, oh yeah, these guys are German. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> funny. Well, yeah, it's a mix of the past and then uh, the new trends are very different country uh, country to country. Uh, that's, that's also a beautiful thing about Europe, I think, in such as, uh, you know, in a relatively small area of space, there are so many different cultures and, and, uh, and currents and avant-garde movements that, you know, you can explore by... By driving to two hours of car, an hour of plane, you can be already, you know, in a complete different culture. And uh, that's something beautiful that um, before or after I would like to re-experience. See, I did that a couple of years ago. I want to do it again. Yeah? I want to I want to go to Europe and just do like a like a trip and just visit different new media art artists and art groups. Yeah, that would it's be so wonderful. easy. It's like, hey, let's hang out. Let's drink a beer. <laughs> yeah, let's, yeah. Let's, let's have a conversation. Every, you know, everybody loves talking about themselves. <laughs> <laughs> they do. Yeah. No, it's yeah. a it's a wonderful idea. Do you have it in plan? Maybe. I guess you know maybe this well, this situation. leave the country. Yeah, right. Step one. Yeah. Step one. It's gonna be wild. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Get over COVID. <laughs> Before or after? Yeah, I assume maybe 2021 By the end of the year, maybe we can hope for. We've got projects going on actually down in in Central America and the the Caribbean, and we've got to go down there. So I might oh, have wow. to go down and that's, that's, just do the quarantine. That's quite risky. Central America right now it's it's doing 
as bad as New York was doing, what, two months ago, I think, no? Or if... Yeah, the, the places we're working on are pretty isolated. I they're, see. They're like islands, so... That I, sounds not wonderful, so much though. Just to go down there, you know, it's like you have to go and then you have to sit in a hotel for two weeks. Yeah, that is the problem. Start working. So it's not like you can just go fly there for like a week, do your job and leave. It's like, yeah. no. Everything is longer. You need patience, yeah. you know? It's something, uh, something that we didn't need as much before COVID. Now you have to wait a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Where, where's the next place you're traveling? Do you know? Um, well... I wanted to go to Japan for a long time and I've never been. And I think that may be probably be one of the first trips that I do once this is over. And, um, and nature, probably. I miss that. I miss, you know, the mountains in Italy. It's, it's been a very long time and I didn't go. And now that I'm stuck in a city for a long time, I think, you know, you start realizing, you start craving it. Yeah, yeah. I was in uh, I was in Tokyo last year, and uh, I had like a a really interesting experience. It started in Tokyo, then we went up north. We did skiing. Um, while I was in Tokyo, though, I uh, I got to hang out with this uh, um, what was his name Toshiaki. Mm-hmm. That's right, Toshiaki, and he uh, he uses dichroic filters to make like these physical sculptures in. Uh, all over Tokyo, oh, nice. but he's a, he's an older guy and he's like really established. Talk about uh, a culture of art. I feel like the artists that I met in Tokyo were so distinct. Oh. Do you know what I mean? It was like they bring the same attention to to like perfection of craft uh-huh. that that they you know it's that's like that's like Japanese culture Absolutely. and they bring that to the yeah art. that's their history <laughs> too. Yeah, man, his art was so precise and so cool. I gotta send you pictures. Nice, it's yes, really cool. I'll link to it. Yeah. Nice, and you got to meet Toshi. him. I was just gonna say, if you go to Tokyo, I'll introduce you. <laughs> Thank you. We we'll love that. That's how. Yeah. That's the fun thing of being in a. You know, even though we are in New York uh, and LA, I think we are really in relatively small communities of artists and uh, designers. I'm in San Francisco. Thank you very much. Oh, San Francisco. Forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> LA is a totally LA not thing. yeah not exactly the perfect <laughs> no LA is great too man There's, I have tons of friends who are crushing it in LA yeah LA is yeah, a great there? city uh no <laughs> I, I did live there for about a year at the end of my my concert touring stage or whatever that I lived there for about one year oh I mean like um, would you live there not, like, I would not live again. I don't think. Is it what is I, it? I the, like, the traffic, the the distances. You know, this you can you know every city has like a personality. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. It, it's like yes, cities are composed of like a bazillion different people, but every city has like a vibe. And um, and you didn't like LA's vibe. I liked elements of LA. Yeah but I don't think I would, I would live there. It's like, it's an amazing city. It's just not my city. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and there's a lot of reasons is like traffic was involved. Um, but really it's like, it's, it's the, I don't, know, I don't know how to say this graciously. Um, there's a sense of ego that permeates LA oh. that 
I don't I really hear you. Yeah, I heard this from many people. It's the yeah, the sense of yeah, it's it's a sense of entitlement. I'm not sure. Superficiality. I see. Right. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, that exists everywhere, but I found it very prominent. Like if I was going to sum up New York City in like, you know, New York City is hardcore. Yeah. It's fast. People are going, they're moving. That's like the personality of New York City. Yeah, and a bit rough. There's amazing things about New York. Yeah. And there, you know, and again, I love New York City. It's just not my city. I think San Francisco is an amazing city, but San Francisco is not really my city either. Yeah. You know, I live in Berkeley. It's a very different vibe. San Francisco's cool, but it's like it's a little pretentious. <laughs> it's a little pretentious. I haven't been so, you know, any of the two. I I would like to see. I don't know. I have a sensation by after moving so many times, I think I could be fine in any city, and it's a nice feeling. It's like you got to find your people. Yeah. Um, but also there, you know, people keep moving now. Also with COVID, you realize how people keep relocating. And, and it's, you know, it's, I don't know that there is my city or the city where I feel like I belong. Everyone is scattered around my people, you know? So I kind of like Me also too. the idea of being, you know, or not being necessarily attached to a city in a, in a vinculating way yeah no i like that and i also think that the the future is all about like transnationalism yeah right where you know you you have skills you're you're talented right and you you could live wherever you you want you could do jobs wherever you want and you could get you could have a job in new york and then you could go and get well i guess you're working for a company now but if you wanted to you know you could gig wherever yeah it's like theory, maybe i'll do a job in san francisco now i'll do a job in new york right. in 6 months i'll do another job in milan right. next year it's and like, the working remotely i think that before or after it will start being a more accepted you know it already started becoming more accepted i'm wondering in the future if you know, will we need to to be in the city where our job is located? Maybe not necessarily. I don't think I don't think you will. I think that the this this event, this COVID event, has broken that seal. Where it's nice to be in the same place with the people that you work with. Like I think it's much more it's much more um, efficient and natural to be in the same room with somebody that you're collaborating with. Yeah. But you know, just like this. You, we can have conversations no matter where you are yeah. and you can share ideas and you can, especially for the new media arts, you can share assets. If you're not working on something physical, if what you're working oh, on yeah. is, is programmatic or. No, yeah, or we are, physical. we are in an age in which we are so much helped by media. We can do anything we want and, and live on the other side of the world. I must say, I think, I don't know. I like, I like sides of this. I think, um, you know, it can uh, it can be stressful to when you have to deal with the distance, when you have to brainstorm and stuff. But also, it, it can give you a certain comfort of like, f- you know, falling into your zone when you really have to focus on something design wise. It's uh, you know, um, being on your own can help. It can give you a sense of you know, uh, focus sometimes. That. Uh, so, are you working in your house? I'm currently are you in stuck my in your house. house? Yeah. Yeah, does that get that? Does that get a little bit oppressive? You know, or monotonous. Uh, it can be oppressive. It's a, 
what is oppressive is the missing of the repetition. It's a repetition and, and you miss the possibility of anything happening. You know, like even just when you exit your house and you work, you walk to work or you take the underground, something could happen, you know, something unusual, something that, you know, changes your mood in, in any way. If you stay at home, there's not much that affects your life. It's hard to to bring novelty and excitement. Um, you have to work harder for it, I guess. Yeah, it's the monotony. I found that working at home, working where I live, the key is getting out of the house yeah. at least once a day. If for no other reason than to move your body. Absolutely, yeah. The way that if if I sit in a chair for an, an all day, oh my, God, my yeah. brain stops working, and it's I've been very much into um, like exercise during the pandemic, and it's um, yeah, it's like it's changed everything. It's like you, you are you know you it's it's mind body. Yeah, you know yeah. if you are not healthy in your body, there's no way to be healthy in your mind. Yeah, it is. It and, is and beautiful. It gives you a sense of relief after the exercise that I, I didn't feel I didn't know about. Now that I got addicted, I, I keep hearing people saying, you know, like I, I, I'm addicted to the, to the gyms. I don't think that will ever happen to me, but it's good. I like it more I'm than before. You are? There you go. <laughs> a little bit. Teach yeah, it's funny because I'm not really... I've never been a good runner, but it's uh, it's the endorphins. Yeah, you know, it's when you run, it does something to your brain, man. It makes you feel really high, it is really good for sure. <laughs> yeah, do you do, are you able to get outside in in New York and like run around or like go and like what's your yeah, how do you maintain? Um, I actually, um, I mean. I do. Uh, I go for runs. I really like to walk now. I really like you know not being able to take the. The underground now is safe, but it would be better to avoid it. So the more you walk, the better. And I really like the idea that, you know, you wherever you have to go, you have to reach it walking. And uh, it's beautiful. And, you know, New York is starting to be less desert. Uh, people are out. It is New York is beautiful to, to wander around because you really meet every, every street changes. Every neighborhood is different. It's I think that's the beauty of living here but yeah uh, are you in are you in manhattan or are you in queens where right are you? now i'm in manhattan and uh um, yeah, yeah and uh, i'm next to the bridge so you know it's pretty easy to go to brooklyn too and uh it's fun it's uh it's beautiful you see you know when you're on the when i am on the bridge i always see the skyline and i'm like it's beautiful um it's um you know, it's given for granted now that I'm here in for five years. I, I don't think about it anymore. But I always remember the first time I came to New York for tourism. And uh, the feeling of it is incredible. And I think we have to remember those feelings. You know, once once we get used to things, we have to remember the feeling we had the first time we, we saw it. Well, it's easy to take things for granted and fall into a routine. Yeah, yeah, it really is. I that's like part of the monotony. You, yeah, exactly. You got that's why travel is so important. Yeah. Then you get away from it, you come back, and you're like, oh yeah, this place is crazy. <laughs> I love this place. <laughs> yes. Yes, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, I want to come visit New York. Yeah, when please. this is uh, travel again. This will be wonderful. I got a lot of friends out there, and I, um, I want to come. Back. Yeah, I would love to to have our next podcast possibly in person that would be wonderful <laughs> i know it's so weird man i i usually try and do these in person and it's so weird to do them 
all virtual. It is. Yeah. But you know, our I think setup is pretty good now though. It's it's we've got it pretty dialed. Yeah, so I'm, no, I'm I really like this. Honestly, I I had a, a great time and uh, I love to talk. This was wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's good. I'm glad that we did this. Yeah, thank you so much again and um uh, flatter you consider me for this. Of course. Yeah, I know you got to get out of here. So um but, yeah, uh, I'll hit you up next time I'm in New York and we should uh just keep me posted on what you're I doing will. and I keep you updated and you're working on. you do the same and I'm sure we will see each other before we even imagine, you know, time flies. You'll see. Time does fly. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, Have a good afternoon. You evening. You too. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye.